0: Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shwini Poo, and this is episode 168. I am joined on this trade deadline day pod by my co-host, Prez, that is at Presidente on Twitter. Prez, how are you doing?
1: I'd like to welcome everybody to Vlad Strickland, the Sacramento Kings podcast based in (laughs) New York, since uh, apparently... Our trade deadline was so egregious, so horrendous that pitchforks and fire protests and more can't can't be ruled out even in these covid times
0: uh yeah the nicks uh the knicks did did not do anything actually at the trade deadline it was Pretty uninspiring, but before we get into all that, uh, I do need to announce that Strickland has a Patreon. You can subscribe to it. There's many tiers. There's a $6 tier that gets you access to this pod right here, Every Friday Pod Strickland. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where we spent most of the day shitting on the Knicks. Uh, You also get access to my mailbag every other week with Jeremy Cohen and Drew Steele, Additionally, there's a $9 tier, which I would highly recommend you subscribe to. Uh, With that, you get access to my solo pod, which I don't really care if you listen to or not. But you also get access to wonderful weekly articles by Jack Huntley and Matthew Miranda, who, much more eloquently than you or I, talk about the various issues and things facing the Knicks. On top of that, there's also a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier. All of these come with additional benefits, like discounts on merchandise, watch parties, uh, potentially sitting in on pod recordings, even potentially hosting a pod alongside us one day. Whether you choose to subscribe or not, your support is appreciated. None of this would be possible without you. And without further ado, let's get into... What happened? Uh, well, the Knicks didn't do anything, um, so that's basically covers the Knicks. Uh, no, look, I, I, I I'll, I'll let you go first, but um, I was disappointed that they did nothing. Like very disappointed. Um, I would say that it's probably the first, probably the first major inflection point with the front office where I feel they really, really came up short, um, and I am very worried about how things are going to go for the rest of the year. Not so much the record, which I don't think is going to get much better, but I don't care about that, uh, but more so about how rotations will be managed, who will be prioritized, and all of that. But uh, I- I'm going to let you say say how you feel first, uh, and I'll respond, play off that.
1: Yeah, so I was definitely disappointed as well. Obviously, um, us, like many others, wanted them to move off some of the vets to unlock some playing time for some of the younger players who are currently better than some of the vets. And they decided that they couldn't or shouldn't do that. Whether it was a matter of couldn't or whether it was a matter of they, you know, for someone like Burks, had a certain minimal return in mind, maybe a certain kind of second rounder or something like that, a certain kind of salary. And they couldn't, you know, nobody offered anything to that threshold. And, uh, you know, I, I, I don't know if we'll know unless we get some inside reporting or anything like that. But to me, like, it was a combination of things because we saw lots of very similarly mediocre bench rotation guys uh, get traded. We saw Aaron Holiday move. We saw Tori Craig move. We saw Ish Smith move. We saw Daniel Theas move. I think it's fair to say that those guys are pretty much in the same general vicinity as Alec Burks and Nerlens. Not Kemba. Kemba's worse than all those guys. But I really think that it is a combination of a couple of things that caused that caused the front office to not be able to move off those guys. Um, One is just they've been fucking shitty, right? Like, let's not beat around the bush. Alec Burks... Alec Burks is a good player, but he hasn't been playing well. Like, it is what it is. We're talking uh, about two months total since December. Maybe a little more than two months of this guy shooting below 40% from the field. And not shooting threes well, and being the worst finishing guard in the NBA. And he tries hard on defense, but to many other teams, he's actually not a plus defender. That's just, like, Knicks goggles. Like, he's fine, but it's similar to, like, what happened with Reggie Bullock last year, right? Where it's like, oh, my God, on the Knicks, he's, like, a key defensive cog, and we all appreciate him so much. But, like, like, these guys, like, no one is moved by Alec Burks' defense around the league, I promise you. So, like... Without his offense, why not go for Aaron Holiday? Why not go for Torrey Craig or something like that? Um, there's still there were still opportunities for other teams to get in on it. Um, one thing I DMD you about was like the Jazz taking on Mikhail Alexander Walker. I'm a thousand percent certain that uh, Alexander Walker would be less helpful than Alec Burks to them getting farther in the playoffs to them retaining Donovan Mitchell. Burks is better at literally everything. And they chose to pursue Alexander Walker, someone who is not really an NBA player right now, and maybe if you squint hard and get really lucky, we'll be one at some point in the next three years. So you can't you can't blame Leon for teams like that being stupid. You can you can't really even blame Leon for sh- for Burks shitting the bed for two and a half months. Like you can, you can get guy. Like I, I, it's just hard for me to get mad about another team saying, nah, we'll try our chances on the buyout market instead of uh, the guy who isn't that good at defense is the worst finishing guard in the NBA and hasn't done the one thing he's supposed to do well, well in 60 days. So like, it's unfortunate. It sucks, but it, it's just, it's, it's just really hard for me to get mad at the front office for that. And Nerlens is similar, right? Like, if he's healthy, which he's not, of course I'm taking Nerlens over fucking Daniel Theus. Are you kidding me? Like, Daniel Theus is a good screener, can fake shoot, but I'm taking Nerlens, brick hands and all, when healthy, as in as an impact maker on defense at the rim and the passing lanes, but he's not healthy. So like, what do you want to do? We've seen him play. We've seen what it looks like. It's not appealing. So I, again, like it's, it's unfortunate, but you can't make water out of wine. You'd have to hope that there's a, another front office, another trade situation that sees appeal beyond the on-court product of those guys, like in their contract or whatever. And for some, you know, for whatever reason, that wasn't the case in a two-team deal or three-team deal. So I'm just like... Like, I do wish they moved off of them. Like, if the decision is keep Burks or wave Alec Burks, I don't blame them for keeping him. It fucking sucks because he should take... He takes the playing time that should go to kids. But, like, this isn't a Kemba situation I, to me where it's like you can waive him because he's legit that bad and he's, like, not an NBA player right now. So... And New you at least have the excuse of if you want to sit him, he's fucking injured, so you can sit him or whatever. But, like, I'm not going to waive Alec Burks for nothing. And maybe they got a second rounder that they didn't like. You know, and I I definitely think reasonable people can disagree about, like, oh, they should have taken whatever they could have gotten, even if it was you know, the 50th pick of this year or some shit like that. Like, I get it. Free up time for the kids, but it's just really hard for me to get worked up. I don't blame people for getting worked up, worked up because Tibbs has made this whole situation super shitty. But mad at the front office, I just can't really. I can't really. I'm not. I just. I just can't get. I just can't get there. Mad at Tibbs? Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely, hundred percent. I wish the front office would have taken away his toys, but again, like, what are you aside from waving, guys? Like they sh- the cookie didn't crumble how they wanted. Like, what are you going to, what are you going to, these guys have been ass. Like, I just can't get around it. Like, I, I just can't. There, there's my rant. I'm done there. Um, yeah,
0: I just, uh, I, I agree with Noel. I agree with Kemba. I agree with Fournier. I don't think there was market for those guys. I'm not that surprised that there wasn't a market for those guys. Um, I just disagree on Brooks. I think you have to take what you can get and move on. Like you traded a first round pick for Cam Reddish. That that was an active choice you made. Maybe you thought it was a good value. Whatever the reason, whatever the reason, you traded a first round pick for Cam Reddish. We can say it wasn't a great first round pick. It was protected. It didn't that's a cost-controlled four-year contract. You traded that for a guy still in his rookie contract, but who has one and a half years left on his rookie contract. So that was an active choice you made. I we talked about this previously when they made the trade. I'm not the biggest Cam fan. I get the vision. I understand it. <laughs> I think it was a worthwhile gamble. Uh, I had no issue with them taking it. But the clear and obvious thing was that you always needed to clear a spot for him. You needed to clear playing time. And they had, mind you, they made the trade. Uh, I'll look it up right now, but I think they made the trade um, back in, what... Um, Whatever, it was whatever the fuck it was. It was like a month ago. Yeah. Uh, It was about a month ago, a little less than a month ago. They had that entire time to canvas the NBA and find a deal to move Alec Burks. If you could not find a deal to move Alec Burks, you're either a fucking idiot or you're full of shit. And I refuse to believe that there was no deal for Alec Burks. If you had to take back a contract that ended at the same time, so not an expiring, but ended next year, what was for some shit can of a player? Do it. I don't care. But you needed to clear a spot for Cam Reddish, and you didn't do it. They failed at doing it, and they deserve criticism for it because they had four fucking weeks to deal with it, and they didn't do shit. Um, so I don't agree with that. I think they deserve a lot of criticism for that, and I think they deserve uh, a lot of the constant question that's going to come up now. Like, look, they hired Tibbs. They know exactly what Tibbs is. Tibbs has his guys. He has a rotation. And unless you clear those guys out, he's probably not going to deviate from it. Um, So, at this point now, it becomes on the front office to either give Tibbs very strong instructions like, Hey, you got to play this guy. I don't give a shit who you take minutes from. I don't care who drops out. He's got to play. That should not be Emmanuel quickly. It should definitely not be R.J. Barrett. I don't really give a shit who else it is in that rotation, but it shouldn't be either of those guys. So however the fuck they need to do it, if they have to tell Tibbs, if they have to go talk to those guys' agents, tell them they need them to shut them down and come to some mutual understanding that just for the rest of this year, they're, he's not going to feature and we'll find a home for you in the offseason, that's fine. But it's got to happen, and there's no fucking excuse for it. And if this shit continues and you still get these fucking garbage, shitty fucking rotations that have 50 senior citizens in them, <laughs> they are as fucking responsible as Tibbs is because they're enabling it. They're allowing it. I can understand you let Tibbs coach through the trade deadline. I understand that. And maybe there's some showcasing going on, whatever the fuck it is. I understand that. But the trade deadline is over. There is no showcasing going on. There is no value to be had. Like, Kemba Walker is fucking done. He should never play another minute in a Knicks uniform unless everybody else in the team is literally gets COVID, he should never play a single second in a Knicks uniform again. He is fucking awful. He's pathetic. He's a pathetic excuse for a player at this point in his career. And he should fuck off. I don't care what they tell him. They gave him a shot. They did more than give him a shot. And he's been terrible. So he can fuck off. Alec Burks, solid pro. Great pro. Love having him on the team. He does not need to play anymore. The Knicks paid him. The Knicks gave him a nice contract. They gave him some stability for the first time in his career for a long time, not having to bounce around from team to team to team every other year. Um, I think they can easily go to him and be like, Hey, look, this is not about you. This is not about whether we think you're a good player or not, but we have to move on as an organization. We need to make time for this. This is a long time. Every like we've seen so many teams do this. So this idea that the Knicks cannot do it is bullshit. It's absolute bullshit. And it falls in the front office to deal with it. Um, and uh, here's the last thing I will say. <clears throat> so I do want to talk about this. Tibbs is culpable for this shit. He is culpable for it because he has ran Alec Brooks into the ground. He has fucking asked so much of him that is so ridiculous to ask of him. It is absurd to ask Alec Brooks to be your starting point guard. It is absurd when you have other players on your roster who can eat those minutes. You might not think Emmanuel Quickly is a point guard. I don't really give a flying fuck if you do or not. Because to choose to play Alec Burks 30, 35 minutes a night at starting point guard is how you go from having one of the best reserve swingmen in the league to having a guy who apparently cannot return much value in trade uh, at the deadline. Two months ago, if you asked Knicks fans what they would want for Alec Burks, almost across the board, people would be like, I think we might be able to get a late first for him. I mean, two early seconds You would have heard that opinion across the board. So I don't want to hear this revisionist bullshit about, oh, well, he never had much value. No, fuck off. He had value. Tibbs ran him into the ground. He ruined his value. That's what happened. That's not bullshit. That is not speculation. That is a fucking fact. That is exactly what happened. Yeah, the
1: the fall-off that he had, that's... It's not normal. And, like, he... Yeah, he lost some of... He's older, whatever, but, like, that shit's... And the first signs were... The finishing. He was never a great he hasn't been a great finisher in a while. But like Tibbs told him it wasn't even just the minutes, it was the role, right? You putting a guy who's a jump shoot who's a jump shooter and a jump a jump shot creator, and you told him to essentially be like the source of rim pressure and you, you like we we were all astonished that like how yes he always sucked at finishing, but he this guy goes into the crowd regularly, draws fouls at an elite rate. Like he's falling over, he's getting hit. That shit hurt. He's old. He's had injuries, and it's no surprise that the finishing went first. And then what came next? The jump shooting, because first comes your touch, and second comes your legs when you get tired and now you see him even struggling with the jump shot. So I definitely, I actually, I've i never thought, I didn't even put the dots together on that, so I'm happy you brought it up, because it was just kind of baffling to me. Like, damn, this motherfucker fell off. I know there's shooting slumps and shit, like, whatever. People go through shooting slumps. IQ IQ's going through a shooting slump. But there's one thing, I never heard of a fucking everywhere slump, like finishing easy layups. <laughs> and his defense has fallen off at the point of attack, and it's usually, like, you know, we've talked about this on the pod. Like, he obviously he's not fucking. No one's going to confuse him for Prime Tony Allen, but he gave effort on, at the point of attack. And when I did my screen defense video, which you can see on YouTube because uh, it's still up there with minimal views, so check that out, everybody. Like he he has pretty solid technique around. He gets around the screens. He was, like he tries hard. He's he's not the most athletic guy, but he's consistently trying. And it was a big part of. Why he was an uh, upgrade from Kemba in the in the starting lineup? Just he is large and tries hard, but now, like this is like some blue wall Deng type shit, man. This really is really fucked up to see.
0: Yeah, I I have absolutely no sympathy for Tibbs right now. Um, I think he is. I think he's ruined a lot of things about this season. Uh, as good as he coached last year, and people, I don't want to do this revisionist thing. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to pretend that last year was some anomaly and he got lucky and none of it matters. And he was always bad.
1: No, no we can have know. a nuanced conversation. Like just, it's so ridiculous. The idea that like, uh, unless you're a, a, the most elite of elite coaches, like there's a lot of things that go into coaching that can change year to year. And he was really good in the situation he was in last year. And he was really bad in the situation he was in this year. It's not some fucking like crazy, statement to say that he's been awful this year uh he has i already
0: went over the burks thing i think he's absolutely ruined alec burks this year i don't i'm, I'm not and just to be clear i'm not saying alec burks is like done now for his career but i really think he needs this motherfucker like, needs
1: rest at the bare minimum like fine if he if they don't want to follow schwinn's game plan and, and come to the understanding that's cool but can you can we like tack some rest onto the all-star break so this motherfucker can like. What what happened to Lu Deng? Didn't he need like the spinal surgery or whatever? Yeah, like, yeah, I'm not trying to see AB, my son Alec Iverson, go through that. Man, give this man a break.
0: Yeah, he needs a rest. I don't care what they have to do to do that, but he clearly needs some time off. Um, I think that Tibbs has his stubbornness is it? It is like last year. Was he rigid? Yeah. He's always going to be rigid. Like, that's fundamentally part of what you get with Tibbs. But he was a lot more flexible with rotations in-game, with mixing and matching his perimeter players. And this year, we have seen almost none of that. Like, almost... You can count, like... you, can, If you go back through <laughs> last year's games, if you go back through last year's games and go just look at, like, who played in fourth quarters and lineups he used to close, he used so many different combinations of perimeter players. I mean, I've, I remember so many games where... RJ might not even close. It would be like Reggie, uh, Alec or Rose, or IQ, Alec and Rose, or like he he mixed and matched so much more yeah, especially than Especially in the second year. halves of games. Yeah. It yeah, literally and he, took
1: him 40 games to stagger
0: yeah, and this he's, year. It, 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 and it's not even staggering, really. It's like he's giving like two minutes now together. <laughs> I just, I, it's just it's so bad to watch. And then on top of it, it's like, like that rigidity and all that shit, like that works and that's justifiable. When you're having success, it is not justifiable in any capacity when you're sitting at 24 and 31 looking down the barrel of what looks like an utterly lost season. At this point, Um, the way to maybe jumpstart your season, if you want to win, if you want to get back into fighting for the play in spot or potentially even sneaking in a back door of the playoffs or something like that, the way you do that is by finding out like you already. Why are we? You cannot keep doing the same thing with the same known quantities that are delivering these shitty results. That's not going to get you what you want. The only way you're going to potentially turn the season around is to give the kids and and try different lineup combinations and play the fucking kids more. Because you know what? I know what Alec Burks is. I know what Evan Fournier is. I definitely know what Kemba Walker is, which is not even a fucking basketball player at this point. I know like I know what these guys I know what Nerlens Noel is. I know what these guys are. They're not gonna surprise you. They are not gonna deliver some higher level they're not, they're not unlocking anything with them. They are what they are at this point. Right.
1: It's not just you- like Oh, like, like you said, it's not just, like, waiting for them to come back to normal or something like that.
0: No, we know what they are. They're, they're all fine rotation players to some degree, uh, especially, you know, when they're healthy, especially. But, like, they are what they are. And so instead of, you know, just hammering the same point over and over and over and over and over again, what you need to do if you want to boost this team, if you want to jumpstart this team somehow, is you have to reach down. You got to find your fucking balls. If you're tips, you got to find, grab your balls, and you have to have the gumption and the willingness to just play the fucking kids. Because guess what? All I know is this. I know that when Deuce McBride got an opportunity in the rotation against Golden State and against Houston, he looked pretty damn good. He helped win us that fucking game in Houston. He helped keep us competitive against Golden State. I know that. I know that when he started, for some reason, he didn't look good. What does that mean? Does that mean you should never be playing again? No, that's not what that means. That means maybe you shouldn't have fucking started him over IQ. You fucking dipshit. That's what that means. Uh, also, he he was also like a plus seventy nine in that game against Detroit. Um, I don't even know if he's played since then, but like, like that's I, I know that Quentin Grimes. You know, people oh Tibbs is he, he he's not he can't play yet because we're so good and he's got to wait his time and and guess what? Guess what? As soon as Grimes started playing, what did we find out? Oh shit! He can play. His first start, the fucking guy puts up twenty-seven against the defending champs. Okay, like this was the, like. I, I don't want to hear any more fucking you know uh, what is it um appeal to authority of Tibbs's fucking talent ID. I don't want to fucking hear it because it's okay. So, talent. He can't yeah. identify talent. He can't yep. ident- and even and if he can identify it, he doesn't trust in it
1: because there's no. No, no you don't even to- have to caveat that. Like this is the one consistent, like we've given Tibbs his props for many of the things that he deserves props for uh, the, his strengths as a coach, his strengths as a motivator. Cause those exist too. But like every single stop in his career, the worst trait of his is identifying talent. And when you're a coach and not a coach slash GM, like he was in Minnesota, that manifests in roster choices. And we saw this shit last year, even when he was doing most of the things correctly. It was that whole Alfred Payton thing was an indictment on his ability to see a player and decide this player is good or not. And and here's here's what really sucks about this. Um, and I just, just to say this, too,
0: uh, Jericho Sims, apparently he can't play. He looked a lot better than what the fuck we've been getting out of New Orleans and Taj of late. It
1: it's crazy. So me. It's crazy. Oh, like he's not. He doesn't have as much experience, you know, defending the nuances of. Eight. Yeah, but you know what? Having a fucking forty-inch vert and ballerina feet can erase a lot of uh, a lot oh, of lack of experience. And this guy was keeping up with Bones on the perimeter. The same Bones who almost sent Kemba Walker's knees one to the Bronx and the other to fucking the peaks of the Rocky Mountains, like. Yeah,
0: I, I it's absurd, and um, and like, and so the, the, you know, those are our rookies, right? Those are our rookies. They're good. It's yeah, fucking good. wild. Like nobody's saying they're like. And there's you no, know, way, they're not Evan Mobley. but Jesus Christ? There's literally no way. Deuce McBride can be worse than Kemba Walker right now. Like they're, He's they're the not- best guard in the
1: G League. That's not mixed homerism. You go by any fucking statistical measure, go to any Twitter account of people who follow the G League and at them and ask them who's been the best guard in the entire G League. That's not to say he doesn't have weaknesses or anything like that. But like they knocked that shit out of the park. We saw it with Grimes. He's able to contribute right now, and yeah, he should play more, but it's not an accident that he's not in and out of the rotation now because like he his his game is so Plainly obvious, right? Especially on this next team that really only has so much shooting that, like, even Tibbs can't banish him because it's like that's an easy player evaluation. That's an easy player evaluation.
0: Uh, and I just think it's absurd because you know Tibbs had this entire thing about like, oh, Grimes plays with toughness. He brings toughness. He like competes defensively and all this shit. I'm like, motherfucker, you're starting Kemba Walker right now. Like that's your choice. You got a guy like quickly who, yeah, he's going through it right now. He's still infinitely better than Kemba Walker at this point in time. He Uh, competes way more. Deuce McBride competes. He's a fucking problem at the point of attack defender. Like he is a really good point of attack defender. And actually I'll uh, look, I've mentioned this before and we've talked about this. Like you're higher on Deuce being ready to contribute right now at a pretty consistent level in the NBA than I am. I'm not even sold on it, but my, but I know for fucking sure. Yeah. Kemba is consistent. He consistently (laughs) fucking sucks. That's what he is. He's a consistent fucking terrible net-negative player who offers you absolutely nothing at this point in his career. Um, but I want to go back to this. But this, like, what these things cost you... And uh, Stacey, Stacey brought this up, and this was a very good point. He mentioned how one of the reasons why the Kings... It's been reported anyway, that one of the reasons... And we'll talk about the Kings. Our Kings. Uh, we'll talk about that <laughs> a little bit. But one of the reasons the Kings might have been okay with dealing Halliburton is because... They have been playing Davion Mitchell, and if you've watched Davion Mitchell over the last two, three weeks, he's really picked it up. And so part of the benefit you get when you play these young guys is you start to maybe get confidence, and you get more information about them. And what did that do? I don't know if this is true or not, but if that played into their decision-making, what it allowed them to do was make a decision to move on from a very promising young guard, and uh, but a position they had a logjam at. To m- uh, improve their front court and get an all star front court player. And I'm not saying that if we played Deuce, you know, we would all of a sudden be ready to trade for everything for DeAndre Ayton or something like that. But what you do is you give yourself more information to make critical roster decisions next offseason. Because what did we do this offseason, right? Everything we viewed it as was through the lens of how Tibbs presented last year's roster to us, right? So we had to get a point guard upgrade because Alfred Payton was the point guard and we needed to get more of that. But if Tibbs had done the thing that we had fucking been banging the drum for him to do... That he eventually uh, went he and did. did. Yeah, <laughs> that he eventually went and did is maybe you find out... Maybe you have, maybe you don't even make the playoffs last year. Maybe you don't because you start IQ and you have to eat some shit to do it. But maybe at the end of that, you come through the other end and you're like, you know what? If the best we can do is Kemba Walker, who's maybe cooked, maybe we just don't do anything. Maybe we just play this kid, bring back Rose, draft Deuce McBride, and we'll see what happens. Maybe you do that. But, like, instead, what you do, because you never tried it, because you never tried anything other than what you had going from day one, is you make the decision that you have to go out and get a Kemmel Walker. And I, I, st- I won't criticize them for that decision in real time at all, because I was... I'm not. I was never a huge Kemba Walker fan. Not every gamble works. That's fine. Yeah. Like, <laughs> and, it's, and it's fine. Like that. It was a reasonable gamble. It didn't work out. But you took a gamble because you thought you had to. And we still don't know. We still have not gotten... Like, people want to just write him off and say he's not a point guard. And maybe he's not. I'm not saying he definitely is. I don't even know if he is. I've come on this pod and told you many times. I don't. I think his best role in the future is probably some type of off-ball combo thing where he still gets reps on ball. But, yeah, he can do shit on ball. Um, like... Th- I, but we still don't know because we still have never given it a chance. I'm sorry. One game to start against the Bulls... And then another game where he starts against the Celtics. Those are not chances. That is not a legitimate shot at being a starting point guard. That is, we just have a bunch of injuries, so I got to start you. But you're never starting again. And so what he has done is, he has created, like, we still talk about this. You go on Nick's Twitter. Oh, we need a point guard. You can't do anything without a point guard. We need a point guard. We need a point guard. We need a point guard. Like, maybe, maybe we do. I'm not dismissing that possibility at all. Lord knows. I've right. spent way too much but in time in the
1: meantime.
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Lord knows I have spent way too much time in this last week or two figuring out how to fig- trade for a point guard, a Colin Sexton, a fucking Dion- De'Aaron Fox, who I don't even love that much, Jalen. <laughs> like, I have been trying to figure this out for two, three Listener, weeks.
1: listeners. Listeners, I had win halfway there on De'Aaron Fox, all right? That's <laughs> how you know he was giving a legitimate. <laughs> well-meaning try at uh, going down going down these other pathways here <laughs> <laughs> but like
0: but like in the meantime you are not even allowing yourself to see what your young guys could do and what they can be because for some reason you got to start kemba because he won player of the fucking week two months two and a, half, a month and a half ago like this is not good coaching This is terrible coaching, and it's coaching that has long-term ramifications and can impact critical decision-making that you make in free agency. You know, like, we are going to go into this next offseason, and the way Tibbs is managing this team and managing the roster, we're going to go in saying, we still need a starting point guard, we need a backup five, we need extra, guess what? Maybe you don't need a backup five if you give Jericho Sims more minutes. Maybe you don't need a backup five if you fucking play Obi and Randall together. Maybe you don't need a point guard if you play Deuce McBride or, or play Emmanuel quickly and you give them a legitimate chance and they play well and you're like, you know what? We're better off not signing, paying big dollars out for Jalen Brunson or fucking pick a fucking guard. Like, maybe you find these things out. But, and and whatever you think the possibility of that is, even if you think it's a 5% possibility to not give it a chance is atrocious coaching. It is atrocious roster management and both Tibbs and the front office will be responsible for that. If it does not change by the end of this season, they will be responsible for it. Both of them.
1: Yeah. And, and on that note, another thing I wanted to talk about is like, what does responsible look like? Right? Like a while ago, you know, we all, knew things weren't going great with the team, but I don't I don't think we, even we thought, didn't think it would come to this level of stubbornness from Tibbs. And, you know, there's the old saying, right? Like, if the front office needs to, if they need a, a scapegoat, if they need, so if someone's head has to roll, it's really hard to fire a player. <laughs> they have contracts. And usually, unless they're Kemba or Taj, you probably don't want to waive them. And just light that money on fire, but a coach, there's an understanding that there's a decent chance that most coaches aren't gonna finish out their contracts. Certainly, no fucking five year contracts. The coaches who finish that are few and far between. That was more. Uh, I would. I would also. I'm not convinced it's like a legitimate full five years
0: guarantee. No, just based no. on yeah, just no, based on not. what Dolan has generally tended to do in recent years with coaching contracts i imagine right. it's three years guaranteed in some type of like mutual option or something like that
1: yeah and and even to take it a step further like if this season if this awful season was any sort of closer to normal just sniffing more normal right maybe julius doesn't regress as much maybe tibbs is a little bit less insane whatever like it could be something as small as, like, maybe Obi shoots a little bit better from three. I don't fucking know. Maybe Mitch comes into the season in a little bit better shape. Like, Tibbs' leash, he's almost, get he was coach of the year and restored respectability to this franchise. The front office could do all the shit they want, but without a coach turning a team around and making them on the court respectable, the front office guys aren't going to get respect. But by that same token, like, that shit only gets you so far. Like, when your team is not intentionally very clearly rebuilding and or tanking, because those things aren't always the same, right? Like I wouldn't say the magic and the Pistons have been tanking. They just aren't good. I think that's a difference. And they're playing their kids and their kids just aren't that good. And they don't have vets to go with those kids for the most part. So like, unless you're doing what they're doing or you're tanking like the Thunder do when they make up injuries for SGA every year, you're not, it's not normal to lose like how we've been losing 10. Sure. Some of the losses are close. I bet if you look at our like Pythagorean record, it's probably better than what is it two in the last 12 games, two and 10, I think. And, and there's no real reason, even before the RJ injury, there's no real reason to expect that to change because you have guys like RJ and Mitch and Julius now playing well. Sure some guys on the bench are probably going to play better just because of statistics. Right, but you know,
0: it doesn't even matter because he does not get this benefit of the doubt. He spent the entire first half of the fucking year pissing away awesome bench minutes because he had this fucking fascination with this garbage-ass starting lineup. So he does not get the benefit of the doubt that, oh, well, now the bench isn't playing well. You can fucking eat shit, okay? Anybody that says that, I want you to know this. Eat shit. Because you cannot have it both ways. He cannot both... Be the victim of like I'm so sick and tired of hearing about well the front office didn't give him a point guard the front office didn't do this the front office didn't like like if he gets all the credit for this mismanaged or this this kind of uh, you know a less talented roster of last year and how he got them to overachieve and blah 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 all these wonderful things if he gets all the credit for that then I do not I do not want to hear I have I do not want to hear why now nothing is his fault. Nothing can be his fault because we don't have a point guard. The front office didn't have a point guard. Oh, Nerlens is unhealthy. Oh, Randall is sad. Oh, RJ struggled for a month. It's all fucking horse shit. It is all horse shit to say those things. But before we continue, I do want to, I, I, I need to ask you a question, Prez. Do you know what is upon us this weekend? What's upon us this weekend? Let us know. It is the moment we've been waiting for since September. It's finally here in honor of the big game. DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56, is giving new customers 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. DraftKings Sportsbook is now live in New York, meaning you can bet from almost a third of the country. If Sportsbook isn't in your state yet, play DraftKings Daily Fantasy Football Contest for Super Bowl 56. New customers can get a free shot at a $1 million top prize with their first deposit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app, use promo code TBPN, and get 56 to 1 odds on either team. Bet just $5 and get 280 in free bets if your team wins. That's promo code TBPN. T-B-P-N at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Super Bowl 56 must be 21 plus. Minimum age and location requirements vary by jurisdiction. See draftkings.com/sportsbook for full list of requirements and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Void where prohibited. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. In Tennessee, call or text the TN Red Line 1-800-889-9789. In Connecticut, call 7- or sorry, call 888-789- 777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in New York. Call 877-8 Hope NY or text Hope NY 467 369. Okay. Uh yeah, look, I want to get back to this because I I like I have gone back and forth on this. Like I do have some sympathy for Tibbs this season in the sense of like I I we cannot gloss over the fact that Julius has been atrocious for basically he was pretty much a horrible version of himself for the first fifty games of the season. I'm happy in the last five games he seems to have found something and found some joy again on the court or something. Um so good for him. But like the first fifty games he was terrible. And no matter how bad a coach is, if you're bad if your if your best player, your proverbial franchise player, is playing so, so poorly makes doing your job extremely difficult almost impossible but even within that he has just just leaned into this like into so much miserable uh just it's so miserable like yeah i'm it's that's what it is like it's like i if you want to say the record the actual record all that shit is more about julius than tibbs i'm here for that i can understand that um i'm okay with that argument what I don't think is the case though, like why Knicks fans are so miserable this season, that is about tips Because this is a team that has young talent. It has like legit young talent. RJ Barrett is a legit young player. Mitchell Robinson, the last month or so, is starting to take the leap that we he thought. Made he made was...
1: himself millions of dollars at the last yeah. month.
0: <laughs> yeah. But he's he's taking the leap that we thought he was taking at the end of last season when he got hurt. He's making that leap right now. Uh, I still very strongly believe that both Emmanuel Quickly and Obi Toppin are very good, at the very least. Very good rotation players. I think we all agree that Quentin Grimes is already a very good rotation player, 3-D player, however you want to phrase it. Um, I suspect that Deuce McBride, uh, again, you think he's ready right now. I think in time he will be ready. It doesn't really matter. I think there's a player there. I think we both agree on that. Um, but even if you don't want to include him, that's five young guys on this team. And so, yet. Yeah, wow. And yet we are, you know, you got Knicks fans out here that are just absolutely miserable about like, why aren't we playing the kids more? Why we... And it's because he's not doing it. And like, here's the other thing, right? There was a report today, I don't remember who tweeted it out or said it, but it was that a lot of the Knicks young players don't have a lot of value outside of like RJ and Mitch, because they just don't play much. And so that tanks their value. And guess what? Like, I don't blame other teams for not wanting to give out, like, or not assigning much value to a guy like Quickly or Obi, and I'm sure that people that defend Tibbs will be like, well, that's because they're not that good. No, fuck that. It's because he does not play them enough.